Hello and welcome to the Northgate Podcast, where we aim to bring people closer to Christ, build them up, and empower them to go out into the world and make a positive impact. With our inspiring content and engaging discussions, this podcast serves as a beacon of hope and spiritual growth for all its listeners. The purpose of the Northgate Podcast can be summed up by our mission to bring people to Christ, build them up in that relationship, and send them out. This motto encapsulates our dedication to help individuals discover the transformative power of Christ's love, nurture their faith, and develop a strong foundation in their spiritual journey. Now here is today's message. All right, good morning, everyone. Good to see you. It's always so good to be here with you. Um, one thing I want to mention before I get into the message is that if you have a kid in 8th through 12th grade and they're interested in being involved in next summer's Costa Rica missions trip, that meeting is after the next service, rooms 2-3. If any questions, you can see Pastor DL. If you want to know, it's the kind of guy he is. You'll notice it's on a day the Bills don't play at 1, right, which is great, but his Giants do. So that, you know, that is a real sacrifice, and uh, we see it and we appreciate it. And uh, yeah, we're looking forward to that. So if that's you, be there, meeting room two and three, right after the second service. We're in week four of eight of our Greater Than series. We've been studying the book of Hebrews. Has anyone ever told you to grow up? Never say grow up, right? Now, depending on who says it, depending on where they say it, who they say it in front of, it kind of can have a pretty substantial sting to it, right? It doesn't always feel that good. Now, if you are a connoisseur of the finer things on the internet, when someone says grow up, you, like me, might think of this classic video. Hold on, hold on, on. her sister was a witch, right? And what was her sister? A princess. The witch witch of the east, bro. I'm gonna stab him. You're gonna look at me and you're gonna tell me that I'm wrong? Am I wrong? She wore a crown and she came down in a ball game, I'm not fighting with you. Grow up, I'm not fighting with you. Grow up. Get it. I don't know, I can't hear grow up without was grow up, bro, right? Anybody that will argue over something as menial as the Wizard of Oz, uh, at that level of intensity, that's, that's my guy. I love that. Uh, I can certainly remember teachers telling me uh, to grow up a lot during the course of classes. Never felt particularly good to be singled out and told to grow up. Now, whether or not they were right is another issue. Uh, for me, I always got good grades throughout school, except math, which turns out, you know, jokes on them because I have a calculator in my pocket at all times and I'm a functional adult that doesn't know the first thing about calculus. So I think that turned out okay, but I always had good grades, but you know, the comments on the report cards, those were not nearly as kind to me. Um, the one I remember all the time, especially in elementary school, was talks excessively. They'd go down through and it'd be like, yeah, 94 talks excessively, 93 talks excessively. Um, uh, now talking is basically my only marketable skill. So I think that worked out for me. And if, if we had staff meeting report cards, I think Pastor Vern would still put talks excessively on my staff meeting report card. But one of my favorite memories of being told to grow up, one time I actually did enjoy it, was during chorus my sophomore year in high school. Our chorus teacher, Mrs. Bastido, told Joe Rebsey, and I, I don't know if some of you guys know Joe, uh, she said, act your age and not your shoe size. Now, as someone that was 15 years old wearing a nine and a half, I was like, yeah, that lands. That makes sense to me. But Joe, who is always a respectful kid, he never talked back. He wasn't a punk. He was friends with punks. But he put his hand up and he waited to be called on. And she finally said, yes, Joe. And he said, they're the same. 
She was like, what? He said, they're the same. My age and my shoe size, they're both 15. He was about 6'5 at that age. And she said, okay, thank you, Joe. It's just a phrase that means grow up. Now, when I read our passage today from the book of Hebrews in chapter five, that's really the exact same tone, the sentiment that I'm getting from the author. What he or she is saying quite simply is, grow up, grow up. So far in Hebrews, the author's been pretty kind. Now, there's some directness. There are some serious warnings to heed. A lot of the case for Jesus being greater than has been made. He's greater than Moses. He's greater than the high priest. He is the great high priest. His understanding of us is greater than just some dis- <clears throat> excuse me, distant God who never walked uh, or lived on this planet. But then at the end of chapter five, the tone kind of turns. And maybe I'm reading frustration into this. We'll read it in a second. Because suddenly in Hebrews 5, verse 11, the readers are told, it's time for you all to grow up. And we're gonna unpack that. We're gonna get into that today. And when we do, we'll see that our main point is simply this. No matter where we start or where we are right now, every Christ follower should be on a continual path of growth and maturity, right? All of us, no matter where we start, like some of you are are way down the road. Some of you, this is like a a thing. You came to church today and you're, you're like, man, I can't believe I'm actually here, right? But no matter where we are on that, there is a path that we should be on for growth and maturity, so we can all, we can put our guard down, right? You don't need to be defensive. I'm not telling you to grow up. The author of Hebrews is telling you to grow up and they didn't even put their name on it. We don't even know who wrote the book, but there's so much wisdom in what is said in this passage. There's so much for us to take away for all of us. It doesn't matter if you've been a Christ follower for a week or for most of your life, you have steps that you need to be taking. Sometimes we approach this life, this life as a Christ follower, almost like a flight. And we think, okay, it's, it takes a lot of work to get the plane off the ground, right? We get the plane off the ground. We got to do that. We're going to really have this, this steep ascent. And then we're going to get to about 38,000 feet. And we can just put it on cruise and then lock it in for the rest of the flight, right? Just lock it in and kind of float along. And as I'll make sure to make clear throughout this message, we are saved by grace, not by works, not by what we do. But once we are saved, there is work to be done in all of us. We need to be on the path. We need to be working on things. Now, I love pickleball. And I know some of you think that's funny. It's fine. It's the greatest sport. I love it. And you can send me mean memes about it, and it's only going to make me like it more. But as a pickleball player, I can look and say, I'm a lot better player than I was two years ago. So it's tempting to just be like, I'm better now than I was then. But I'm always trying to continually improve, right? There's something I'm always working on, right? So right now in my game, I'm working on really setting my feet before I take a shot. You want to talk to me for that about like a half an hour later? We could definitely do that. I'm in on that conversation. If you you're a golfer, if you're something else, you're saying, okay, yeah, I'm working on this, right? This is a particular part of my game I'm working on. And it should be no different in my walk with Jesus, especially if you're somebody like me and you were a total mess before Jesus got to you. I think it can be easier for us to say, man, I was completely broken, right? I was an awful person. I was a liar. I was an addict. I was a criminal. I was this. I was that. But look at me now. I'm actually like pretty good, right? And that's good. That's great but we still have stuff to work on. I hope if I asked you, hey, what are you working on in your faith journey right now? What's your current goal on a path to growth and maturity that you would have an answer? So I'm gonna read this whole section. It's just four verses together. And then we're gonna go back through, kind of break it down verse by verse. Here's the passage for this morning, Hebrews 5, 11 to 14. And it says, we have much to say about this. 
but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Right? I mean, it, it feels like there's some frustration there. I, I feel some frustration. I mean, if nothing else, it is very honest and is very direct. I mean, he or she calls the people babies in a less than subtle way. I mean, really, the takeaway of this, the scripture is you guys have work to do, so get going. Following Jesus, it's not a lazy river ride. You're not just going to lay back and put your feet up, grab an oar, and start paddling. So let's go through these verse by verse. We'll start with verse 11 where it said, we have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. Frequently, we are not growing because we've just become content where we are. Right? The author said, it's hard to make it clear to you. You don't even try to understand. I'm trying to explain this. I'm trying to make it palatable to you, but that's a challenge because you've given up trying. Another translation says, since you have become dull of hearing, it's not a problem with the ears that are being called out. It's a problem with the heart. It's a decision that they're making to just be content where they are instead of deliberately being on a path to growth and maturity. So how are you, how are you different in your spiritual walk right now than you were a year ago? One of the most encouraging things that happens here, I've actually had several of these things lately, is when I see people doing things, praying for people, caring for people in a way that they wouldn't have before. I love you guys, I really do, but I love seeing growth. I love looking and saying, hey man, that's not something they would have stepped up and done five years ago. That's not a thing they were comfortable doing two years ago, and now look at them. Because if we're all the same people, with the same struggles, if we're all working on the exact same thing a year or two from now, we have failed. Even if the church has grown, even if you love coming here, I hope you love coming here, but that's not the point. The point is that we grow, that we're not just content. Not that we've reached our cruising altitude, now we can just settle in and enjoy the ride, right, and have beverage service and stuff like that. That's not it. Pastor Brad Button he was the speaker at Getaway Camp at Lighthouse Christian Camp, uh, which some of you are familiar with. It was around 2007 or 2008, and he did an incredible job. It was such a great week of his teaching. And at the end, they said, hey, the last several speakers have done two years in a row. Brad, would you, would you come back? Would you come back next year and teach us again? And he said, I can't do it. I can't do it. He said, I've absolutely loved being with you, but what if I come back next year and everybody's in the same place? What if I come back next year and I just see that people haven't grown? I can't do it. And I think for a lot of us, when we just say, okay, I'm settled in, right? It is what it is. I am who I am, right? We get stuck in the I am's and we say things like, oh, I'm just an angry person. I don't know, pastor, I'm just an angry person. I'm just, I'm not someone who can control my temper. I'm not someone who can control themselves around alcohol or make good decisions with things like that. I'm not, I'm not one of those people that maintains good habits with prayer and devotions. But that is not the message of the gospel. Jesus didn't come to just make us a saved version of the broken person that we were. 
He wants so much more for us than that. And so we say, oh, I am, I am, I am, right? I am all these things. And to quote my own message from 10 years ago, which is weird, uh, but when your I ams encounter the great I am, your I am will become I was. Right? Does that make sense? When you're, I am this, oh, I'm an angry person, oh, I'm this. When that encounters God, the great I am, our I ams become I was. So I am an angry person? No, I was an angry person. I am someone who cannot control their temper? No, I was someone who couldn't control their temper before God got a hold of me. I am someone who can't control myself around alcohol? No, 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 I was someone who couldn't do that. That is the gospel message. Whatever things you've come to believe about yourself, I'm a liar, I'm a cheater, I'm lazy, I'm whatever brand of broken sinner that you are, Jesus came to change that, came to set you free from that. But it starts with us not just being content where we are. First half of verse 12 says, in fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truth of God's words all over again. There is an expectation of each of us that we will be matured or that we will mature enough to be able to contribute. Verse 12, I feel like the author really just starts to, to call out what the issue is and says, for as long as you've been following Jesus, you should be more mature than you are right now. In fact, you shouldn't just be consuming, you should be contributing. So let me ask you, Northgate, are you a consumer or are you a contributor? Now, some of you here are brand new and you don't, you don't need to hide your wallet, right? We're not gonna pass the plates again. We're not gonna do that. We're not gonna shake you down on the way out. I mean, if you're brand new, there's areas that, that you can serve, right? We wouldn't even let you serve in the kids' wing until you've been here consistently for a minimum of six months. But some of you have been here for years and I'm glad you're here and I'm glad you like it. But are you a consumer or are you a contributor? Are you helping to bring people here and are you making it a better church for the people that come here after you? Because if even 50% of our people serve consistently, we'd be in incredible shape. The parking lot would be full of smiling faces. You'd never have to open a door when you came. The people, same people wouldn't be serving in vital areas over and over again. And I love that picture. And I think we will get there when we start to take it really seriously. Because the expectation of each of us is that we will be mature enough to be able to contribute. All right, second half of 12 and verse 13 it says, you need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk being still an infant is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness. Baby steps are fine for babies, but we need to grow beyond that. Now, this is where the author just straight up calls them babies, right? It says, you can't even, we can't even feed you solid food, right? We've got to give you milk. We can't even put rice cereal in there, right? Straight milk, that's what you have. And we need to get into the teachings about righteousness. We should be talking about how we can be positioned to grow in God's grace, but you aren't even ready for that. You're still in the 101 class. You've been here a while. You should be in 201, 301, 401. And it's not that milk is bad, right? It's not. First Peter 2.2, 2, he said, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. And milk, that's what keeps babies alive. It's what keeps them nourished in those early days and weeks and months. But if a baby doesn't move beyond just that, they won't thrive, they won't grow. 
Some babies are given that failure to thrive designation, which is it's a tough thing, right? Parents, you've got no idea, right? You bring kids home, there's no manual, you're making it all up, and you're like, I don't know, we're doing the best. And then a doctor's like, failure to thrive. You're like, awesome, right? I want to tell you, stand here as a testimony. I'm a fully recovered failure to thrive baby, right? I got through it, right? I pushed through. I'm uh, completely recovered from that. I've thrived plenty. But I feel like as a joke, and you guys are, and that makes me feel insecure, right? I feel like the author of Hebrews here is being direct enough that they would say, hey, I'm going to diagnose some of these Christ followers as failure to thrive cases, are you a failure to thrive Christ follower? You're alive. You have your salvation in Jesus, but is there growth? Is there progress? Is there an increasing measure of maturity in your life? I love that when the Bible talks about in an ever-increasing measure, right? Am I a patient person? I'm not the most patient person you'll meet, but I have patience in increasing measure. I'm more patient than I was five years ago. I'm way more patient than I was 10 years ago, right? Part of a lot of that's kids. That helps. Uh, but that's an increasing measure where I can look and say, I'm not perfect, but it is increasing. We can be a failure to thrive Christ follower where we are comfortable having Jesus as our savior. When we say, Jesus, you know, save me. We, right, we come to a point, we understand there's nothing else we can do. We can't do it on our own. The part of him being a savior is okay, but what about the part about him being our Lord? Right, that's why we say he's our Lord and savior because we don't just need to be saved by him. We need him to be Lord over our life, to submit every area of our life. And that's how we avoid being a failure to thrive Christ follower. Verse 14 said, but for solid food, but solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. We are saved by grace. Make sure you get that. But growth and maturity will come through hard work and training. The verse said constant use. We're training ourselves. Ultimately, our lack of maturity, right? If we don't have this training, if we don't do this hard work, if we don't put that in there, it will distinguish itself because we have an inability to distinguish what's right and wrong. And there, there is where as a whole, not specifically to Northgate, but in some cases, that is where as a whole we are going off course. People are lacking spiritual maturity and they're no longer able to distinguish right from wrong, right? Because they don't know the scripture. People point at things that we know are sinful and they're saying, well, maybe it's not that wrong. Or maybe it's not wrong anymore. We start changing the truth of Scripture to make it fit what we want to say, to make it fit what we are comfortable with. But we, when we are becoming more mature in our walk with Jesus, when we are training ourselves by His Word, by having His constant presence in our life, we will see that growth as a result. And we won't be contemplating walking away from Jesus as the readers of this letter were. Because if we have an immature faith, if we have a baby faith, then we start to believe things that aren't true. We start to believe things like, well, if I love Jesus, then everything will go how I want it to go. And then when that doesn't happen, our, our faith is shaken. We're shaken because we believe something that isn't true. It isn't scriptural. But when we become more mature, when we have a more developed faith, we know that God never promises that everything will go our way. He promises that he'll be there with us through it all. And then when we encounter hardships in life, instead of pushing him away because our prayer wasn't answered, because things didn't go how we wanted them to, we actually get closer to him because we know that's what he's promised. That's an actual scriptural promise. That is the problem when we don't grow and we don't make progress. So what are some of our next steps? 
How can we ensure that we aren't stuck as spiritual babies who need to grow up? How do we move from consumers to contributors? And I wanna give you a list and it's not exhaustive. You can come up with other things that'll be great on this list that aren't here, but for a lot of us, you will land somewhere on this list of what your next steps are. First thing, most important thing is give your life fully over to Jesus. This is the first and most important thing you will ever do in your journey with Jesus. If you don't start here, you can do the rest of the things on this list perfectly, and it won't matter one bit in eternity. It might, you, might make you feel like a good person. You'll probably have people here applaud you for how well you're contributing to the church. But if you don't start by fully surrendering your life and your will to Jesus, someday you will stand in front of him and he will say, go away. I don't know you. And you can pull up your resume, right? You can show your planning center how many times you clicked yes to serve. You can bring in your tax donor statements. You can talk about all the things that you did, but apart from accepting the sacrifice that Jesus made for you, apart from saying, Jesus, I place my faith and my trust for my salvation in you alone, anything else you do for him is just noise. I'm telling you, do not leave this building this morning without getting this straight. If this is your next step, today is the day, not tomorrow, not next week, today. Don't gamble with eternity. Second thing, devote time to prayer and reading your Bible. And I know, I know, like Pastor DL said last weekend, this is basic, right? This is basic, we keep harping on it. But are we doing it? Are we all doing it? If we're all doing it, if we're all devoting that time, just send us a message so we can stop bringing it up in every message because we're not gonna see the growth and maturity that we want until we are. There are simply no shortcuts around this. There's not, there's no shortcut around it. Make it a habit, make it a routine, make it something you feel incomplete leaving the house without, right? You'd never leave the house without your phone. I hope you wouldn't leave your house without brushing your teeth. I have a, a toothbrush and toothpaste in my desk just because if I'm ever driving in and I'm like, did I brush my teeth? I think I brushed my teeth. I'm brushing my teeth when I get there, right? I couldn't do it. I couldn't leave the house without doing that. Make it that kind of a routine. The next thing I put on there is to apologize to someone. For some people, the best next step that you could take in your faith journey is, is to apologize to someone, is to forgive someone, is to have a difficult conversation that you are trying not to have, right? Either way, you might have to be the one apologizing, you might just have to forgive someone and finally free yourself from that. Now, you might think you're letting them off the hook, you are letting yourself off the hook by letting this go. Time and time again, Jesus tells us that being forgivers is an imperative if we're going to be his followers. He tells us very directly, his father won't forgive us of our sins if we don't forgive other people when they sin against us. So apologize and forgive. Next up, seek counseling. Northgate is not a stigma church. Yes, we believe in the power of prayer. We believe in having faith. And we believe a whole lot of people need counseling and or medication to live in a healthy and whole way. It does not have to be one or the other. It doesn't have to be faith and prayer or counseling. And at different points in life, every single one of us will need counseling. I tell couples when we're doing the pre-marriage counseling, I say every single couple needs counseling at one point or another. It does not mean that your marriage is broken or doomed to failure, right? It just means get the help that you need. 
And if you're working through traumas and heartache from your childhood, if there's just brokenness in you that you just can't seem to get through, there's absolutely no shame in getting the help that you need. We all need it. The question is just whether or not we will get it. Next one, get baptized. I understand a lot of scripture is hard to understand. We study it. We try to figure it out. We work through the nuance and the language. But you know what's not complicated in scripture? When Jesus says, repent and be baptized. That's really clear. He said, hey, repent and be baptized. Repent. I'm sorry, repent and be baptized. Give your life to Jesus and then tell everyone that your life belongs to Jesus by being baptized. He doesn't say, repent and be baptized if you're not shy. He doesn't say, repent and be baptized if you're cool with being soaking wet in front of a few hundred people. I know that there are people here and this is your next step. You've given your life to Jesus, but he is waiting to see you take the next step of obedience. Next one there, a great next step is to join a group. Angelique is doing a really great job in this area. There's so many opportunities to get connected and there's more and more all the time. Because listen, I love to preach, right? This is, this is my passion and you can grow through listening to passion or through listening to preaching, but you will grow far more in circles than you ever will in rows. If you're being surrounded by people who will discuss and apply things with you, people who will hold you accountable, people who will ask you questions and listen, people who will invest in your growth and in your maturity. If you do that, you will see far more progress than you ever will by just coming here for an hour and listening. And just, because we haven't talked about this in a little while, in the Northgate app, there's a thing that says notes. Got a picture of Pastor Vern preaching. You click that, you can see all the notes from the message, but also at the end, there's discussion questions. Those of us that preach, we write discussion questions every week. Not sure if any of you read them, but we keep doing them. And if you're going out to dinner or you're having breakfast after this, just go ahead and pull that up on the app. And there's questions. There's the last one is just table discussion question. I always do that. I just think, hey, if somebody's going out to lunch together after a message, what do I want them to talk about? Just pull that up and talk about it with some people. Start applying. I'd love for you to join a real group, but that's a good start. Next, tithe. Now listen, this is not a tithing message. And Northgate is, is again in great financial shape because of God's blessing and faithfulness, because of the incredible consistency of the core of this church, and because of strong and responsible financial management by our board and our leadership. So this isn't on here for me. This isn't on here for Northgate. We're good. We're doing just fine without your money. But if it's your next step for growth, then it's on here for you. If God needs to know that he has your heart more than your money, right? That's what he wants to know. And for a lot of us, nothing has our heart more than our money. You trust us with your time. You trust us with your kids. We talk about money, get all kinds of tight. So if you're trusting God with most areas of your life, but not with your money, that's your next step. Tithing is the antidote to money having our heart. And then finally, serve. I desire so deeply to see everyone here connected and engaged in meaningful ministry opportunity. To see you have a way that you contribute here that you love and that you look forward to. I mean, we've got people who genuinely enjoy greeting, right? They love it. They love saying, hey, I'm gonna make this place a little more friendly. I'm gonna have this corner and this is gonna be the best place to walk into. People who spend all week looking forward to serving in the kids' wing. People whose favorite weekends are the ones where they're in the cafe making you coffee. 
technologically inclined people, they get joy out of making our services look and sound good. We have musicians and singers who can't wait for the next weekend that they are scheduled to be a part of leading you in worship. And there's something here for you. Might not be any of those, but there is something here for you and it's important because serving, it unlocks something in us. It unlocks something in our relationship with God, doing something to give back and to contribute to make Northgate an even better place to be a part of. And listen, if you can go through here and you can check all these off, you're like, yeah, doing it, doing it, doing it, then give back, mentor, right? Build some relationships with people. If you're doing all these things, you have plenty to teach and encourage others with. Because if we don't do this, there's a greater problem than just plateauing in our growth. Next weekend, we're gonna turn the page to Hebrews chapter six, and we're gonna look at the danger of falling away or walking away, of having a heart that turns callous towards God, of just becoming so complacent that we finally push him away. It's a tough message, but I'm excited to unpack it with you all next weekend. I won't be as direct as the author of Hebrews. I won't tell you to grow up, but I will challenge you. Don't be complacent. Don't settle for the comfort of where you are now because it's the easiest thing to do. Don't fall for the I am's that describe who you were before Jesus impacted your life. Give your life to Jesus, but don't stop there. Be on a continual path to growth and maturity. Become a contributor, not just a consumer. And take your next step. Let's pray. God, I thank you uh, for that gospel message. God, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that he didn't just die on a cross to save us, but God, you also sent your Holy Spirit to change us. God, thank you that we are not stuck where we are. God, we don't have to be. It's a choice that we make sometimes, God. Sometimes we just become content where we are, we just become comfortable. But God, I pray that you would push each of us to take a next step forward in our faith that, God, we would take that seriously. We would pursue you seriously, God. We'd pursue growth and maturity. And that, God, as we do that, we would become an even stronger church, Lord, a church better suited to reach more and more people with the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you for entrusting that to us. Thank you for giving us what we need to do that. I ask that we would do that in our lives for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let me give you a takeaway as you go this morning. Just don't allow yourself to fall into being content or lazy in your walk with God, pursue him. Pursue him today with everything that you have. Go today in the love of God and the grace of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. Have a great week and we will see you next weekend. Thank you everyone for tuning in and being part of the Northgate podcast today. Your support and engagement have truly been incredible. If you like what you hear, then please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Northgate podcast. It's your enthusiasm and continued support that keeps us motivated and inspired to creating meaningful content that resonates with our listeners. So thanks again. Mm-hmm.